Welcome to the Make That Money Honey podcast. I'm your host, Sandra Joe, and each week I will be bringing you a combination of interviews and solo episodes with industry leaders in finance, entrepreneurship, and women in business. As a former certified financial planner turned financial coach and entrepreneur, I will be sharing my knowledge on how to have better conversations about money within your marriage, relationships, and family dynamics. I will also be teaching fundamental financial literacy about all of the topics that you wish you learned in school. This podcast will get you to think outside the box, create more abundance in your life, and improve your money mindset. So make sure to follow and tune in weekly, and it would mean the world to me if you shared these episodes with a friend and left me a five-star review. Welcome back for another episode of the Make That Money Honey podcast. I am so excited about today's interview with Stephanie Ganowski. Stephanie has been coaching men full-time in the relationship space for almost five years. She holds a bachelor degree in psychology and is a certified relationship coach and clinical sexologist. Her mission is to help men turn their sex pressure into sex pleasures. She is extremely passionate and in love with her work, and she couldn't imagine doing anything else. Stephanie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm so excited to be here. Can't wait to talk about this. Yeah, so we were just talking for like 15 minutes before we even jumped on the recording about all the exciting things that are coming up. And uh, the reason I have Stephanie on the show is because my Sex and Money course is going live in October 2022, and I couldn't have thought of a better person to have on the show to talk about all things men's sex life and how that affects every aspect of their life, really, because I know that that is such a complex topic. So thank you so much for being here with me today. So the first question that I really have for you is, how did you specifically get into men's coaching? Because you've obviously got a psychology background and a relationship coaching background. How did you see that opportunity and get into that? It's interesting because I I have a history with men, or at the time, when I was starting this coaching practice, I was, I was going to get certified in relationship coaching. And I was, I was thinking, you know, I need a niche. I need that niche market of who exactly I'm going to help. And at that point in time, I had a bad history with men. Like the majority of my relationships and how I viewed men was not so healthy. So it was actually interesting when a mentor of mine was like, you know what, I think you'd be great to work with men. And I was like, what are you like, freaking kidding me. (laughs) And, and he was like, no, seriously, like, you know, I think they would pay attention to you. You know, you're pretty, like, you're really into this stuff. Like you're passionate. Not enough people are really like work, like speaking directly to men. You know, there's a lot of relationship stuff out there for women. And, and the more like I talked with him about this, the more I was like, you know what, I could actually learn about my past and maybe even get some healing out of this by just having a deeper understanding around what's going on in a man's mind when it comes to relationships and desires and this and that. And, you know, part of it was selfish. Like it was me trying to figure out my past and kind of get some healing from that. And then part of it was like, you know what, there really isn't a lot of women definitely like speaking directly to men and only to men where all of their marketing is just men, you know? So I thought it was cool that it was very different from anything I've seen and um, just the idea I had in mind. So I was like, all right, let's let's pursue this. Let's go with it and see what happens. And I, I really started enjoying it right from the beginning. I loved working with with men and only men. And it was it was fun. And 
you know, I don't know if you want me to take it into the sexology yet, or if you want to want me to stop there. No, I, I just love what you said about, you know, so many, there's so many people out there marketing relationship advice and things like that towards women. And I think part of it, like, I mean, I've had a therapist for like seven years, so I know a lot about that space, but it, I think part of it is that women are much more open and proactive when it comes to seeking help to solve a particular psychological problem or issue that they know they have. Women by nature prefer to talk things out and whether it's with their girlfriends, their family, you know, a therapist or something like that, they prefer to talk things out. Whereas men prefer to bottle things up. And so I think what you've done with, with, hitting that niche and making it a safe place to say like, I specifically work with only men in this particular, you know, business is so cool because it makes it like, you're not alone. And this is, this is my focus. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, I feel like my audience feels they have to speak up because it's like, well, she's talking to us. Like, you know, it's not, there's no hiding. (laughs) Yeah. There's no hiding. And then the only thing they see in the comments are all men giving their feedback, you know? So it's like, okay, I can be part of this conversation. Like I'm accepted here. I can speak Mm. here. So it's, it's really this, this place where guys are just like the amount of messages I get that are like, thank you so much for making this comfortable for me to, to talk about. Cause I literally don't talk to anyone about this. And just to have you answer a DM or like address a concern I have in one of your posts just feels like, I'm actually being like listened to and I'm actually, I actually know what to do next. So that's always the most fulfilling thing. It's like, you know, thanks so much for normalizing this and making me feel like I'm not alone. And this is like, it's okay to feel this way. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And I can see that as such an important thing for men because there's so much pressure, not just in sex, but in their careers, in being a good husband, a provider, all of the things that, you know, our society or our history has put at, on this, this role of what does it mean to be a man to toughen up and to man up or, you know, uh, suppress their feelings because mental health affects men almost more than women. When you look at the stats of like suicide and you know, these are people that have like not dealt with things because they are scared of looking weak or looking insecure or whatever. And they, and then they feel like they have a problem you know, and it's just such a, yeah. So when, when I was looking at, you know, when we discussed getting you on a podcast and I was looking at your page, I could not agree more with the stuff that you post, uh, for, for those listeners that want to check out her page, check it out in the show notes, but you can also follow her at Steph Ganowski. And it it's, it's a topic that is not talked about because it's so taboo. And this is why I, you know, was so excited to have you. So yeah, I would love for you to get into sexology. I don't even know the true definition of what sexology means. So I'd love for you to even start there and, and sort of some of the stuff that you do in that space. Yeah. So pretty much when I started, I was probably relationship coaching men for about three and a half years. And it got to the point where the majority of the concerns addressed to me were revolved, like all revolved around sex. And I was like, all right, like 90 to 95% of the questions I'm getting and concerns are guys asking me sex questions. I don't know if it was just them getting really comfortable with my page where it's like, all right, like all of a sudden, like I I feel safe enough to ask her like this risky question or this uncomfortable question or this weird question. And I just started getting like all these sex questions. So I was like, let me focus more of my content on the sex stuff and see what happens. And 
I made a few reels on Instagram and they all like, they were going viral, like reel after reel after reel. And my account went from like 7k followers to 80 in a, in a matter of two months. So it was all when I started the sex content, that's what blew everything up. And I was like, holy shit, like, this is huge. Like everybody, like, people want this, people need this. Like, this is obviously a huge, crazy need. So I was like, I need to go, like, I, I had my fair share of sex education um, in psychology and, and just being an enthusiast when it comes to sex personally, like it was always an interesting topic for me. Um, so I was like, you know what, maybe it's time to go to sex school. Like, let me see if there's even a sex school and, um, and learn about this and see what I can do to get more advanced in this type of education. So I found an online sex school and they, I think it was like a 15 month program, which I finished in like five months because I was so into it. I was like, holy shit, these are all the questions that guys are asking me. And like, and I was just learning and like reading all these books. And then I, I graduated from that which is the equivalent of a master's degree. So I, I might move forward and get my PhD in clinical sexology, which is also something that you could do, which I didn't know you could do that. That's so cool. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Maybe I should add this to my list. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like, what? This is so cool. So, um, so yeah. So after going through that training, it was kind of, I got so much feedback and started working with so many clients just around sex topics. And I stopped taking on clients with, you know, the, the general communication stuff, which is what I, I did more of before. And it turned into sex communication and erectile dysfunction and premature ejaculation and trouble having an orgasm on delayed ejaculation, which isn't talked about, which a lot of guys struggle with. Um, so just addressing, you know, sex communication in terms of addressing fetishes or fantasies or how to initiate sex with your partner without feeling uncomfortable, or what if I'm really sexually inexperienced? Like, what do I do? How do I start? Why do I feel so much shame? You know, so just all of these porn, porn addiction, masturbation, not knowing if it's good or bad, you know, just all of these things are just so, I like drool at like the thought of these topics because they're just so interesting to me and everyone has their own perspective. So since working through, like since studying all this stuff and just working with guys and seeing the results I'm able to provide them has been so rewarding and so cool. And going back to the definition of sexology and more so clinical sexology, it simply means that I work, clinical just means I work with people. I'm not just researching sex. So I'm not just researching sex or sexology. Um, you know, I'm actually working with humans and I'm taking a sex problem they have and I'm finding a solution for it through research and experimentation. So that's pretty much what I'm doing. Wow. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. That is so cool. I feel like I want to go through your program, even though I'm not a man. (laughs) I'm like, this would be so interesting to me because as you said, you know, being um, somebody who's interested in sex or has, you know, how, how did you put it? Um, uh, I think you said you that you've got like a, a sex background or, or something like that. And it's just so interesting that you can turn something that is an everyday experience for people and, and find a solution for them that is way more common than we think, like erectile dysfunction, porn addiction. I didn't even think of that, but the amount of people that have porn addictions is insane. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that with people that are in a serious relationship and they've got a porn addiction? How does that affect their relationship with their spouse or their partner? It really 
it really depends. Like I have an interesting view on porn. I, I am open about being pro porn, meaning I'm not against it. I'm, I look at porn as a tool, just like money is a tool, right? It could be used for good or evil. It depends on your intention. What are you going into it with the intention of? How do you want to use it? You know, and if you go in with it mindlessly and you don't have a plan, you lose it. Like shit hits the fan. It's not good, you know, because you had you didn't have an intention. You were mindless and reckless. Same thing with porn. If you go into porn, just when guys who use porn just to jerk off really fast and just get in the habit of just using it to mindlessly like jerk off or they they use it as a means of getting that excitement factor and that novelty factor, but they never learn how to communicate that novelty with their partner because they're insecure and they're afraid. So they keep going back to porn. That's when porn becomes a bad thing, but Mm. porn by itself is simply a tool. So that's what I explained to guys. Like you need, if it, if it were up to me, I would only allow porn to the people who have a certain level of self-awareness and sexual awareness, because when you do have that awareness, you know, when porn starts controlling you versus you controlling it. And Mm. that's when you need to stop. You know, I know that there are guys who have a certain level of awareness where they're like, you know what, I have a a client of mine. And he was like, I noticed last week that porn was just like taking over. And I just was finding myself just like going to it mindlessly. And I want to pull back from it for the next three weeks. I don't want to do it at all because I want to get back in control. And that's someone who's very sexually aware and self-aware and responsible when it comes to using porn as a tool versus someone who doesn't who uses it to cover up their insecurities or cover up the fact they can't share their desires. And those are the things that you need to acknowledge. Like, why am I going to porn? You know, what is it covering up for me if I don't feel like I'm in a healthy relationship with it? Otherwise, you know, use it, you can totally use it in a healthy way where it helps you and your partner to bring novelty or spice things up, or you enjoy watching it together because it's, it's sexually appealing or you know, you have fun with it. So there's ways to use it for good. There's ways to use it for bad. It's what is your intention going into it? Yeah, I love that. And it's so interesting because I was actually just listening to a sex um, a sex podcast the other day and the, this doctor talks about, she, she takes questions from the... Um, from her audience. And then she responds to them on her podcast. And one of the questions was that a man uh, watches porn because he has fantasies about other men, but he's married to a woman and he didn't know how to handle that. And that's a classic case of like, there's something deeper going on with that porn addiction than just for the sake of, you know, having a mental release and, uh, you know, in between meetings in a day, if they just needed a break and wanted to, you know, have some fun, or if they wanted to experiment with their partner and try new things, as you said. So I think that when it comes to um, the, the usage of it, it makes a big difference on what's the sort of thought process behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then someone like that will become very resentful of porn because it's like, Mm -hmm. they're angry that they can't share their true desires with their partner. And then they find this, this medium to help them. And then over time they feel like they lose control over this medium and it frustrates them. You know, it's frustrating to be controlled by technology. Like that's not, it doesn't feel good for anyone. So instead of blaming the technology, look at yourself and ask yourself, what is the real problem? The real problem is I'm not feeding a real desire. I'm not fulfilling a desire of mine that's really important to me. And how do I get help from a therapist or a sexologist to help me communicate this to my partner in a way that feels safe as possible and 
I can feel confident doing so, you know, so that I can actually address this problem and solve it instead of avoiding it and repressing it. Yeah. And I think that that's probably, that's probably one of the biggest things in both of our industries is people suppressing uh, a dependency or a need in, in my industry, a large, a large problem that I deal with is people spending, you know, they, they use spending in retail therapy or feeling like they need to buy super fancy things in order to show their self-worth in your industry. It's, you know, porn addiction or other types of things where it's like people are fulfilling a void by using a, a quick dopamine hit of whatever, whatever their thing is, you know, some people it's shopping, some people it's porn, some people it's food, some people it's alcohol or drugs and understanding what the driver is behind feeling that dopamine hit or feeling the need to get it from some superficial means rather than going inward and actually figuring out what the root problem is. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And it's interesting because any of these things, any of these other things you can look at as in moderation, right? And mm-hmm. I think porn included, like junk food is fine in moderation, but if you abuse it, look what happens, you know, your health yep. suffers and you're not in a good place. You know, same thing with spending in moderation. Cool. But if you're overspending and you're spending more than you have, you're not in a good place, you know? Yeah. So porn is yeah. just another one of those tools. Yes. Yeah. That's so true. So when it comes to working with men, now you obviously said that there are similar themes and similar questions that come up. What would you say are like, you know, a couple of the top topics that you address with some of your one-on-one clients? Um, definitely premature ejaculation is the overall most common one here. Um, erectile dysfunction and I would say trouble communicating with their Mm -hmm. partner, like just not knowing what a healthy sex communication sounds like, looks like, feels like, and just that whole confusion around like, how do I share, how do I say what I want to say at the time when I want to say it, (laughs) you know, when it comes to sex? Yeah. Yeah. So let's dig into that communication piece because that's a really interesting one to me. When, when people are feeling like it's not a safe space to communicate, um, whatever it is that that's holding them back, either a sexual desire, um, something that is not working for them. Maybe it's, maybe it's that they're not feeling appreciated or not feeling uh, gratitude from their partner and that their partner is always taking advantage of them or something like that. How do you tie that back into them improving their sexual performance or sexual pleasure? Like, how do you sort of connect the two? Well, I think one is going back to self-awareness. And we could just put this one together, like self-sexual awareness. Like how aware are you of your sexual self and your needs? And what exactly do you want? Because a lot of people don't understand what they actually want and they start getting frustrated with their partner. Um, Yeah. And they don't even know what they, what they're not specific in the ask. You know, Mm -hmm. so something I'm always telling my clients is make sure first you're aware enough to know exactly what you want so that you can communicate it as specifically as possible. Because for you to just say, you know, I tell her I want more blowjobs. I tell her we should have sex more and it doesn't happen. Of course it doesn't happen. Like that's so general. What does that even mean? You know, like, is there anything specific you're at, you're looking for? Like, what does more sex mean to you? You know, you guys may be on two separate pages with that simple definition. So when people feel awkward 
or uncomfortable discussing a certain topic or just they lack experience discussing the topic, they tend to be very generalized in their communication. And they tend to ask questions that are very, what I call fluffy, because mm-hmm. there's no specificity, like there's no, there's no answer they're looking for. It's just like, it's the safe way of asking it, you know? So I always encourage my clients to ask risky specific questions because you're that much more likely to get a direct response back. Um, yeah. Or you're likely, and if it's not the thing you want, at least you get a direct response back around why she doesn't want to give you two blowjobs a week, you know? Yeah. So, but you have to ask, Hey, I realize, I realize you haven't been, you haven't been wanting to give me blowjobs anymore. And you used to do it all the time. Like, what do you think that, why do you think that is, you know, look at how specific that questioning is versus you never blow me, you know, like one is much more likely to get an answer. And and it's so funny because that is totally a guy's way of communicating. Like, why don't we have sex more? Why don't you have, give me blowjobs or, you know, it's like, rather than the way you framed it is like opening up about more of like the reasoning and making it feel safe for the woman to say, well, you know, I feel like you don't appreciate me at home. And because of that, like, it doesn't make me feel like I want to give back to you or something Mm -hmm. along those lines. Yeah. Or he could be like, well, what makes you, what does make you feel appreciated or what makes you feel unappreciated? You know, what I tell my clients is lead with, with curiosity You know, Mm -hmm. when you're after you're direct and you ask that first direct question and she responds, you're going to want to get pissed off. Like innately, you're going to want to defend yourself. Maybe not get pissed off, but you will want to defend yourself. Defensiveness. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so easy to fall into the trap of defensiveness. So I tell them, always be curious about her response. Go in knowing that you're okay. Like she may not give you the answer you want, but you'll be okay. Just be curious at figure out, be genuinely curious about why she said what she said. And that's when the guys get the best answers because they may not feel good hearing, I don't feel appreciated by you lately. But if you're curious and you figure out the answer to that problem, you know, like what makes you feel appreciated? And then she tells you, now, you know, like now you're that much more confident in your sex relationship. And you know that that specific action you just got from her, you know, due to communicate clear, direct communication with curiosity. Now you have a step that makes you feel confident in the relationship that you can take and will most likely get you more of what you want. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It is, is such a balancing act when it comes to all of this types of communication. It's the same thing when, uh, when I'm coaching couples about money, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, especially if it's a single income household, some, some of my clients, for example, the, if the wife stays at home with the kids and the husband is the provider, the provider will feel like he's giving everything to the wife and kids. The wife will feel like the, the man is not participating on the home front, you know, like with doing the dishes and picking up kids from daycare and whatever. So then they end up not talking about many different things because they both feel unappreciated, but about two totally separate things. And when the conversation starts to open up about, okay, well, what would this look like in your ideal world? You know, from, from example, the man's perspective, oh, to, for her to understand that the reason I'm working late is so that I can give them the life that they have. And, you know, vice versa, the woman having the ask of, well, what does she need in return? Maybe some alone time with the partner before they go to bed at night or whatever it is, you know? And, and, I love what you said about being curious. Like we, we tend to not ask for things because we want to avoid confrontation. But then when we do get to a point where 
it's too much. And we ask, we're so direct in our ask, like, why don't you give me any blowjobs? But the, but it's been building for so long that the, you know, the healthier way is to bring it up earlier, a lot earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it goes back to repressing something, right? And like when you repress it, the more and more you do, the more anger you get and the more frustrated you get. Cause that thing is still there. And then by the time you release it, it's just huge, you know, and it's, it's too much. So as yeah. you feel something or as you assume something, you know, bring it up to make sure that you're not going along assuming and then bottling something up, just communicate it, you know, ask like, Hey, I'm feeling this way because you made that comment in the car. And like, it made me think this, is that true? Is that what you meant? Or am I just in my head? You know, mm -hmm. like just saying stuff like that. It's, it's not, you know, guys will feel like pussies, right? They'll yep. be like, oh, I can't like bring up that, like that's pussy shit. But like, yeah. it's actually pussy shit is holding in your emotions and then screaming and getting all angry over something so little that you can just be a little vulnerable with and, and confront mm -hmm. in the moment. And I think yeah. just men in general are very afraid of vulnerability. And of course, women have their, their majority of weaknesses too. I'm just focused on men. So that's why I speak this way, just for everyone to know. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's just important to have that certain amount of courage and vulnerability to, so that you can communicate properly. And that's really what it takes. That's a huge piece of it. Yeah. And I love what you said about vulnerability because men are much more sensitive beings than we give them credit for, you know, and they have very sensitive needs, very, very deep feelings that they don't show on a regular basis. And when they do have the courage to be vulnerable, I think as women, it's our responsibility to make it safe for them to feel comfortable talking about these vulnerable things and not lashing out and getting defensive or blaming them or, you know, giving excuses, but rather just sitting and listening so that they feel heard and understood and trying to imagine ourselves in their shoes because it is so much less frequent that they talk about these things. You know, as women, when we get together with our girlfriends, we sit and bitch and moan about all different kinds of things all the time. And it's kind of our, our release, you know, but men don't do that necessarily. They feel a lot of shame, as he said, about things like erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. You'd never go to a guy's weekend and hear them all sharing about the fact that they all have premature ejaculation in common. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Right. Exactly. Whereas women will say, oh, I haven't had an orgasm in three years because my guy has no idea what he's doing. Like women will say that to their yeah. friends. That's so true. Yeah, <laughs> you will. Yeah. And that's interesting because you brought up like that women are, women are more like expressive naturally, but like, and even like, just because that comes natural to us, we also get the practice. Like we also get to practice our communication skills because that's our natural way of, of venting and releasing. So, you know, we can't forget that too, which is something I never really thought about. Like we're actually practicing the skills so much more than men typically are. So we have to look at that as well. So on that note, what are some of the ways that you encourage men to talk and, and be more vulnerable in the way they communicate with, with women or with their partner when it comes to sex? I, I'm a big fan of starting small, like start with baby steps, start with what feels a little outside the comfort zone for you. Like, don't ask a question that feels like daunting. Um, so what I mean by that is guys will tell me, um, they'll, they'll tell me that their wife or girlfriend said something to them. And then I'll be like, did you ask her why she said that? And he's like, no, 
but like, I wonder why. And I'm like, why didn't you just ask? <laughs> why didn't you just say why? You know? Um, and they're like, oh, I don't know. I didn't think of it. And it's just interesting how like the smallest little word, why, could could have helped them so much in this scenario. So I'll always, I'll always start them with like small steps where it's like, next time like she says something, just be curious once again and ask a question about what she just said. And be like, you know, even even the question, why would you why would you think that, you know, or why do you think you worded it that way? Like, I mean, a really simple one is just like, oh, that's interesting. I didn't think you felt that way. Why do you think you feel that way? You know, just like uh-huh. simply addressing the feeling and asking like why she feels that way, you know, can go a long way in the discussion and the back and forth exchange. So for for guys, it's just wherever they're because every predicament is different, right? Every situation is different. So whatever their situation is, I'll just encourage them to have one question that fits best for that scenario or that problem, and just keep it in mind so that they can continuously use it when whenever they need more information from her. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Keeping yeah, having a couple default questions that they can keep in the bank for different situations, and again, coming back to that, being curious. Right. Like just really figuring out, okay, if that, if that was triggering, why was that triggering? Is it because you made that comment mean something because you didn't actually know what the true meaning was? Right. It's like, we make, we make stories in our head all the time about what things mean when, when it's not, when it's not how it was meant to be delivered. And, and also another, another important part when I jump on, um, is that guys will, when, when guys are in this process, when we start working together, they will, they will try to practice these direct curious questions, right? And in the beginning, they don't do so well because they're not used to it. So and their auto response is defense. So because their auto response is defense, they get upset with themselves. They get really frustrated and they're like, shit, Steph, like I fucked it up. I had the opportunity to say this and ask her this and I didn't take it. And whenever that happens, I'll just, you know, remind them that, hey, you can still go back to her. Like you can still fix it you know, and, um, and that tells them that, okay, when I'm in a scenario and I respond away, I don't want to respond. It doesn't mean I can't text my partner and be like, Hey, I know I responded this way. I I wish I didn't do that. I would rather respond it this way, you know, and just like retraining your mind to be, to be that open direct guy who's upfront about how he feels about something. Like you can always fix it. You can always, just because you said something doesn't mean you have to beat yourself up, go back and say, go back to the kitchen, wherever she is and say, Hey, like, just so you know, babe, like I responded with like, I was yelling at you a little bit and I wish I didn't yell. You know, I should have said it more calmly and I want us to be able to have these discussions, but I was just really curious why you, why you worded it that way, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, and then bam, you're back in conversation. Like you're, you're right back where you left off. So I think that's an important piece that guys need to realize, like, as you're working on your communication, don't feel like just because you said something, you fucked it all up. Like, you can always go back and say what you want to say once you think it through. Yeah, totally. And I think apologies are such a such a powerful thing. It's like if you walk away and you realize that you reacted a certain way or that you've screwed up in your communication, acknowledging it and saying like, hey, you know what, I made a mistake. I shouldn't, like you said, I shouldn't have reacted that way because anger is the, is the subset of sadness, right? Usually people get angry in conversations because they're actually feeling sad or hurt about something that came up and it triggered them so much to a point that they 
lashed out and got angry. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, being aware of that and, and apologizing when necessary, rather than just feeling shame and feeling like an idiot for blasting your partner when you shouldn't have or something, I think is, is also something that men and women struggle with. I can't say yeah. just men struggle it, but we, we generally as a society have a hard time admitting when we're wrong and taking ownership of that. Yeah, yeah. totally. So, yeah. So I wanted to jump into uh, some of the work that you do around the, the actual sex coaching. So I know that we've touched on the communication piece and that a large part of it is psychological in, in terms of like, you know, stories that we tell ourselves or feeling like we're not good enough and things like that. How do you work with men who, for example, struggle with, struggle to feel intimate with their partner or erectile dysfunction? And are those related to the psychology side of sex? Yeah, I mean, almost always there's psychology involved, right? Like, especially working with me, like I'm not a doctor, so I can't tell you what's related to your blood pressure or like this or that. So I always, what I tell guys first, especially when it comes to penis related concerns is go see, go see a doctor, go see a urologist, like go get checked to rule out the physical so that we can be sure that this is a psychologically rooted issue. And then I can help you 100%. So that's, that's the first thing is always rule out the physical and also be aware of the doctors that will just throw you on a pill because there's a lot of them out there that just feed it to you like candy. And then you don't do any of the psychological work. And then you're constantly reliant on a pill for the rest of your life when you don't have to be a lot of the time, some of the time. Yeah. But a lot of the time, no. So I, um, so pretty much like when it comes to Sorry, what was your question? Uh, no, that's okay. And I feel like oh I feel like my I feel like I have so many questions for you that I'm like jumbling them together. But um, no, my question is like with your sex coaching, how how related are these issues to men's psychology? For example, erectile dysfunction or like I mean, premature ejaculation might be a bit different, but erectile dysfunction. assuming it's not a part of their physical, like if they go to a doctor and they get checked and everything's fine, how do you, how do you manage the psychology aspect of like how that's related to, um, to erectile dysfunction? Well, first I think it's important for guys to be educated around the normalcy of the, the penis, not always being hard start to finish when it comes to sex. I think that's they a lot of guys get their sex education from porn, which is really mm-hmm. unfortunate because those guys are all in Viagra for hours and <laughs> that's why they are able to keep it up for hours throughout the whole porno and you just all you see is this huge hard dick the entire time, right? And it's like yeah. that's not typical. That's not normal. You know, what's normal is is it going flaccid, it getting hard again, maybe you're going down on her, it gets flaccid like you know, then you're, you're back up. Maybe it takes a minute or two. And then the older the guy gets, the more this will tend to happen. Um, but that is so normal. So first to just normalize things like that is really important for the man's psychology because he doesn't freak out when he sees it happen, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's why education is so important. You know what to expect, you know, what's normal, you know, that you're okay and you're healthy. And especially like a guy's relationship to his penis is so strong and like, it's, totally. I did not know how obsessed guys were with their dicks before. Like I knew they were, yeah. but not to the extent <laughs> I know now. 
So it's just, it's crazy. Like it is crazy. And I, I, I realize, like, okay, well, obviously if you're thinking that you should be hard the entire time and then all of a sudden you're not, like you think immediately something's wrong. And if that relationship is that important to you and means that much to you, you're going to have a little panic attack. You know, you're going to have, totally. you're going to have anxiety that just hits you in the face. And then what happens when anxiety hits you in the face, it builds and builds the more you experience that thing that first created it. And then you play the memory in your head and that also builds on the side. And then it's a, yeah. And then it's a loop of that. You can't get out of it because you're so fearful of it happening again, that all of a sudden, every time you try and perform or have sex, it's all of a sudden become this big ordeal that, you know, (laughs) you start to stress yourself out. Yeah. And then you're like, I have a problem. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really interesting one. And how do you, how do you break that loop for men? Like, how do you get them to break that cycle of, you know, that's that spiral of, oh, I'm bad. Oh, no, I'm I'm fearful that I'm going to be bad again. I'm fearful that I'm going to be bad again. Like, it's it seems like something that would just keep coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, well, something I do is have guys um, have guys do a masturbation exercise. So I have a couple like masturbation exercises that I take guys through. But one is to put them back in the place of just pleasuring themselves and being with themselves to get reacquainted with like, cause, cause most of the time when they masturbate, everything's fine. You know, if they have psychological ED, most of the time, like it doesn't work with a partner, but by themselves it works. And they're like, you know, I have no problem by myself. So it's good to go back to that one-on-one attention. And that's just, you know, there's some exercises just to get him reacquainted there, but, but it's interesting how each there's like so many different things that can cause ED. So it's mm-hmm. not like there's just one scenario. Like I, I know a guy who was masturbating a certain way and that's what caused his ED. I know mm. a guy who was, um, who had situational ED, which many men do when it comes to a first partner, first time mm-hmm. partner. So they get all nervous because it's a new, a new person. I may feel intimidated by her. I know guys who experience ED because they can't express what they want to express in the sexual relationship and they're withholding information and it makes them nervous and they don't want yeah, that's that an information to be released. So it causes anxiety to their dick and then ED yeah. happens. So there's all these different things. So like my job is figuring out I feel like a sex detective because I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's figure out where this is coming from. And then let's talk yeah. about that issue and talk it through and, and get him, get him curious about himself instead of like shunning himself. Like guys feel so much emotional pain and so much embarrassment and distraught, like humiliation when it comes to having ED that it's like, they don't want to address where it came from, but like my job is to make them talk about it so that mm-hmm. we can understand it and then they can move through it. Because you can't just repress something. Once again, you can't just repress something and expect it to go away. It will keep coming up until you work through it. So with my clients, it's a matter of like, all right, let's figure out where this ED is rooted in you psychologically. And then let's let's talk through that. Let's see what the best exercises I can give you are to over to work that and then eventually overcome it. So sometimes it's visualization exercise. Sometimes it's meditation. Sometimes it's a masturbation physical exercise. Sometimes it's you know, a way that they have sex or a position they do most of the time, or, Mm -hmm. you know, are they could be so many different things. Yeah. So many different things. So it it depends on the guy and his, his situation. Yeah. Like what you said about being a sex detective, (laughs) because it's, yeah, I mean, whether it's sex or finances in my case, a lot of it, you know, people will say that they feel stressed about money 
but it's, they think they don't have enough, for example. But what they really feel is that, you know, they're fearful of changes in the economy or they're fearful that they're not going to be a good enough provider for their family. Like there's so many other root causes that are causing a symptom, right? Mm -hmm. And so figuring out what those root causes are and then working through that, um, I think is such a powerful thing. Like you said, there's, there's so many different reasons that could be causing that type of thing that, um, you know, get, figuring out what the best solution is for that unique person is really yeah. what it's all about. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes it's really cool because sometimes I can help a guy solve his ED in literally four days. And yeah. other it's times been something it's something bothering him for probably years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I just, I just had a, a recent client who was struggling with ED like out of nowhere. And he's like, this never happened my entire life. Like I've never experienced this. What the fuck is going on? And he was an older guy. And like, um, no, he was probably like, no, he was middle aged, like almost in his fifties somewhere. Mm. Um, but he was like, he was like, it always works fine. Like I, I'm always okay. Like what's going on? This is driving me nuts. Like why the fuck is it not working? Like yeah. I feel like, a fucking, I feel like an idiot. I feel so like, yeah. like and, it, and you could just tell like the way he's talking about himself and his sex performance had a huge, was a huge red flag to me because I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, you're not even, you didn't even take a breath this whole phone call to like, to talk about what you want or like what you're concerned, like you're just beating yourself up the last like 20 mm -hmm. minutes, you know, and we can't, you can't, that you're just feeding the cycle. So it's kind of like showing them like, all right, you don't want to feed this, like it, you show them what, I show them what feeds the cycle and makes it worse. And then what we need to do to, to like pull back and tap into like the communication piece. A lot of guys, when it comes to them withholding information, or maybe they really like a girl and they're actually like falling in love with her. This causes a lot of ED too, because they're like, they feel vulnerable. For they sure. don't know how to tell her they're intimidated by her because they're so crazy about her. And it's, it's like, it's like sad because it's like, I just started really falling for her. And now like this happens. And I'm like, okay, but what's the missing piece? Like, what do you feel you need to tell her? Like, what are you not, you know, opening up about? Like, what are you not feeling safe, you know, to tell her? And they, they will resist these types of conversations because they want to feel masculine. But like when I force them into it, it's so interesting how they start talking and saying like, I'm mm -hmm. afraid she might do this. I'm afraid this might happen in our future. Like, I'm afraid I'll get jealous of other guys. And then when they release that and then they share some of that with her, sometimes the problem is just automatically fixed. Like it's crazy yeah. how one conversation can just fix everything. Not always, yeah. but sometimes. So. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that that, you know, just getting that off their chest, feeling seen and heard and understood is a huge factor, huge contributor. So I guess my follow-up question on that is like, as a woman, if we're on the receiving end of that information, how do we make them feel or how do we accommodate that conversation so that they feel seen and heard and and we can help them in that process mm -hmm. I feel like I feel like for women to first understand that a man's typical response will be defensiveness or avoidance when it comes to emotional vulnerability and if we can encourage him to share by just making it cool, like making it like it's no big deal. You know, I think like versus versus like judging him or be like, why are you talking about this? Or like, you know, you never you never brought this up before. Like try your best not to judge it and be very interested whenever he brings up a concern. You know, I mm -hmm. think that um, 
I think that for us to simply be like, oh, like, tell me more about that. Like whenever he says anything that's around a fear or potential concern, like, oh, like, tell, like, what do you mean? Does that make you feel this way? Like, what do you think about that? I think guys are better off to respond, more likely to respond to us saying, what do you think about that versus how do you feel? Mm. Um, that's what I've noticed when I first started yep. talking guys. When I would ask them, how do you feel? It was like this weird question. And when I said, what do you think? Like, what are you thinking right now? Instead of what are you feeling? They were more mm. likely to open up and tell me how they felt. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost like they don't want to feel like they're feeling, you yeah. know, like, like, as you said, they don't, they don't, they don't want, yeah, they don't want to feel like a pussy or feel weak or whatever. So that if you're saying, what are you thinking? It's like, what's on your mind as opposed to what's on your emotions. Mm-hmm. Right. And even though it is the emotion that's going to come out, I love that. I'm going to, I'm definitely going to steal that from you. <laughs> what are you thinking right now for my clients and for my personal life? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think also like when guys are, um, it's so inter- it's interesting you brought up this question. Cause like one of my girlfriends the other night we were at a bar and she was like, Oh my God, I just started seeing this guy and he's awesome. But like we had sex like three times and he came within the first 10 seconds. And I don't know like what to say. Like I tried to play it cool. Mm, but like mm-hmm. I felt, I felt so weird because he was like, you could tell he felt so embarrassed and he kept saying, I'm sorry. And then it made me feel weirder. And I was like, no, it's cool. It's cool. So I thought it was interesting to see the woman's perspective. Cause I don't talk to a lot of women who are facing right. challenges like this. So it was, it was really interesting. And what I said to her was like, I would say that the best, cause I've been in a situation like this kind of recently um, within the last two years And what I, what came to mind for me was like, at first I I did legit kind of panic a little bit. Cause I was like, this never happened. Like I never saw this happen, you know? And then immediately I was like, okay, what what should I do? What should I do? Like, just be chill. Like, and I, I just told the guy, I was like, this happens all the time. Like, you know, like I see this happen. Like, it's not a big deal. Like, you know, we'll figure it out. And that seemed to do be the best thing to kind of ease his nerves around it and he's like you know he's like really like you've seen this and I was just like I mean I know it happens to a ton of guys like it's no like it's no new thing so I think if women take that frame of mind where it's like he he's gonna panic like let's just understand sure. he's gonna yeah. be panicking so the best thing we can do is just like make it seem as chill and normal as possible because even mm-hmm. if it isn't normal for your sexual experiences in the grand scheme of things there are a lot of guys who suffer with some type of you know, penis concern at a point in time. So mm-hmm. we just got to make them feel like this isn't that weird. You know, you're not a lot, like, it's not that big of a deal. Like we'll figure it out. Yeah. Normalize it. Yeah. I, I think that that's really valid uh, because there's definitely like, you know, using language like, Oh, well, this has never happened to me before is so is like probably one of the worst things you could say because yeah. then they feel like they're bad or they're wrong or they fucked up or whatever and yeah. all and of a sudden words didn't leave my mouth <laughs> for like, sure yeah I'm thinking but, that and I'm like what do I say I don't want to say that <laughs> well yeah and I think you know as women I the premature ejaculation one you know is is one thing but when I think it when it comes to erectile dysfunction as women we can be hard on ourselves and think that there's something wrong or if they don't ejaculate at all I know in past experiences, um, you know, I dated someone a few years back who literally never came like it or not never, but very, very rarely. And it, and it played a bit with my mind. I was like, 
you know, am I not good enough? Is this, does he not enjoy it? Does he not like it? And I think those same questions can come up when it comes to ED. And yeah, I mean, as a woman, how have you sort of handled that in terms of communicating it or, or knowing what to do with your own emotions if, if that does, if, if you do start to play tricks on yourself, I guess? Yeah. Well, that was, that was a situation I was in with, um, where he was experiencing ED and I, I was, I kind of took the frame up cause immediately I did feel that way. I was like, totally. you're not hot enough to him. Like yeah. you're not sexy enough anymore. Like it was really weird how that was the immediate thought. And I'm like, yep. and as a sexologist, like this is the time I was doing this work. So I'm like, you know, you, that's not it. You know, like there was mm-hmm. like two sides of me fighting. It was like the natural biological instinctual side that was like, you're not sexy enough. You're not turning him on. And then there was the educational side. Um, so I was just doing my best to fight my own demon right there as I communicated with him, like, okay, well, what do you feel you would want to, like, what would make you most comfortable right now? Like, what do you think we should do? And I was like, do you want to just like watch me? And I kind of just, that's where I took it immediately because I was like, okay, well, he's not going to feel, I don't want him to feel pressured, but like, what's something I can do that will just kind of save the moment a bit and still make the moment sexy and still make it about like, like I can make it about my pleasure so that he doesn't feel like he's letting you down or something. Yeah. 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 Or letting like letting me down. So, um, so that's how I took it. And that, that seemed to work good because after it was like, I took care of myself and he like enjoyed the show and we kind of just ended it there. But like, you know, that seemed to really just calm the whole, the whole thing down. And then afterwards I did mention it the next day I texted him and we were, we were dating for like a few months and I just texted him and I said, Hey, like I was, I was doing some research on this. Like, what do you think about this? Like, does this, does this relate to you? Like, Mm -hmm. and of course I'm a sexologist, so it's different. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then a random person just being like, so I was researching your erectile dysfunction and what do you think about this? Yeah. I could see how that could be taken maybe the wrong way, but (laughs) yeah, but still like I, yeah. So that was like my natural in like, and this was at the time when I first started like studying erectile mm-hmm. ED. So like, I didn't know a ton. Um, so I was like, Hey, I've been looking into this and like, this is what I saw. Like, what do you, what do you think it is? Even if you're not a sexologist, which most mm-hmm. of you probably aren't. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> what like, you know, something you can say is like, Hey, what do you think? Um, is there something that you think I'm trying to think of how to word it? Like, what I think would be most beneficial for guys with ED in a, in a relationship is getting them more used to talking about sex with you. Yeah. Um, because most guys who struggle with ED have an anxiety around the topic of sex or around you as a partner. And mm-hmm. that's what's creating, that's what's creating that the majority of the time. So if you can play like a couple's question game or, you know, have an experience where you're like, Hey, like, let's just not have any penetration. Let's just find other ways to pleasure each other. And, mm-hmm. and just like, I want to play around with that. Like, just say like, I want to play next time we play around. Like I want it to just be like, play everything, but penetration. And mm. then that relieves him because he's yeah. off the hook and he knows yeah, that there's can other incorporate toys or other things. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So there's, there's plenty of other ways to, to make it, to help him get to the point of 
relaxing and being able to have that confidence back up where you can compliment him on those other skills that he has, you know, and it doesn't have to be penetrations, the focus and you failed at the focus, you know, like that's how the guy feels. So I think that, you know, if we're all a little more mindful of other ways we can have sex, which most people aren't. So if you look at other ways of playing around and having fun and doing a role play where like, maybe you're just literally doing a role play and it's super hot and you're just making out in between, like, that's like, and like, yep. like touching each other's genital, like that could be fun. Like that doesn't yep. have to involve or massage. Sex. Like a lot massage? of people get really turned on by massage or, mm-hmm. you know, other things that are, like you said, passionate and hot, but not necessarily sex penetration focused. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. if that's not working, if that's not helping him get to the point of, you know, a full heart on, then, then encouraging him to get help. I think is also Mm -hmm. really important. Like, Hey, what do you think about talking to someone about this? Like, I think it could be really good for you. And like, I could always go with you or like, I'll support you along the way. Like, you know, I want you to feel good in bed, you know, make it about like, you want him to feel good and confident and like, he doesn't have to suffer with that. So that's the whole, the whole, that's the whole premise. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So how do you actually work with people? So let's say somebody is listening to this and they're like, Oh my God, this totally resonates. I need to connect with Stephanie. How do you coach men? Do you have programs or do you just work on a one-on-one basis like a therapist? How does it, how does your system work? Yeah. Um, so I do, I have one-on-one programs, which are three months, um, three months long. So depending on how much interaction you want with me, you get to choose that, but it's usually, it's typically a 90 day program, um, which is my intense, my main intensive. Um, and that is, that is me creating a three month game plan, so to speak of like, Mm -hmm. let's set up three specific goals for your sex related around your sex concern. What are the goals? Like, what are we going to actually focus on improving? Because it's so easy to just go in and start talking to someone for help and all you're doing is dwelling on your problem the whole time. Mm -hmm. So I like to be very goal specific and very goal oriented so that every time my clients talk to me, we're we're seeing progress and I'm giving them more tools to use to build on that progress. So it's very measured. It's a test and measured system. It's very, I hold them accountable. So that's, those are the guys that get the best results with me because they work with me very closely and we're very, very goal oriented. And then my other option is my VIP call, which is just one call with me, which is a 90 minute intensive. And then I email them over a specific game plan after with, with all the exercises and tools they need moving forward from that one call. Right. And then I guess if they needed like a follow-up, they could always just book another one, say two or three months in the future, once they've gone away and tried a few things and come back yeah. for, you know, feedback or whatever. Yeah, totally. And then, um, and then I have my overcoming sexual performance anxiety course. So that is a course I created um, about a year ago, but I'm actually doing a revamp of it this month. So I'm going to have a whole new structure to it. Plus all the stuff that's already been in it will be in the bonus section. So I'm really excited for that because it's going to be all about like the mental structure of like a step-by-step mental revamp when it comes to your sex life. Is that a virtual course? Yeah, that's a, that will be a self-paced virtual course. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You'll have to let me know (laughs) when that goes out. I'll, I'll post it. I will. I will. And then, uh, and then my, my, the course coming up this, I have a masterclass coming up this, um, September 6th and it's premature ejaculation masterclass. So it's one call. Um, and it's $69. Woo-hoo. <laughs> so fitting. I love being on brand. <laughs> yeah. 
I just thought that was funny to share because I just yeah. out of it. No, I love um, that. <laughs> so my master classes will be like my low ticket once a month offers and they'll be on different topics. So this this first topic is premature ejaculation and there's a bunch of guys in it. I'm super excited because it's like super specific. Um, it's a super specific plan of action for the guys that want to overcome PE. Yeah. Now from a privacy perspective, I'm curious to know for, for your group coaching type of thing, like if you're on a masterclass, how do you do it? Do you do it webinar style so that people's names aren't popping up or do you have it meeting style and they just jump in regardless or, or is there any sort of privacy concerns there? Yeah, I do have, I will be hosting this one over zoom and I just yep. told the guys, you can change your name. You can keep your face off. You know, you don't have yep. to, you don't have to show anything. I have them. I sent a, a forum to them beforehand so that they can submit personal questions, which will Great. be anonymous. And then I'll answer them on the call, not saying any names. So yeah, everything course. is totally anonymous and yeah, nobody has to know anything. Yeah. Awesome. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to connect with you more in the future. Um, and this has been so educational. I feel like I learned so much from this already. Is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners, anything that you want to direct them to if they want more information? Um, really just my main platforms are Instagram, which you can find me at Steph Ganowski. And, um, that's also for my TikTok and my YouTube. And then my podcast, which I do a new episode every week is what I love about sex. And that's primarily on iTunes and Spotify. You can find it other places as well, but amazing. I'll have to check it out as well. I love, I love listening to sex podcasts. I feel like it's my new obsession. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, okay. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stephanie. I know we could talk for hours and hours on this topic, but uh, I won't keep you anymore. So for our listeners, be sure to check her out on Instagram at Steph Ganowski and her podcast, What I Love About Sex. We'll link them both below. And I can't wait to connecting more in the future and, and keeping tabs on all the cool things that you're doing. And you'll have to let me know when your uh, virtual course comes out again. Yeah, same, Sandra. Thanks so much for having me. And I'll definitely keep you updated on all the, all the stuff coming all out. All the juicy goods. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for listening. And if you love this episode, please share it to your Instagram story and tag me at sandra.m.joe. I would be forever grateful if you left me a five-star review and sent it to a friend so that I can reach as many people as possible. For more information on my financial coaching and how we can work together, check out my website at sandrajoe.com. And until next time, have a great day and go make that money, honey.